one thing I wish Menlo Church would know about our generation is that life can actually be not so peachy keen and that it's pretty hard to go out throughout the day through school and yeah, we just might have more difficulties than you think. Something I think my generation cares about is the betterment of this world. Kids have their own plans with you. Yes, and kids have their own lives. We do not live parents' lives. We are our own people. Yeah. One thing that our generation experiences is a lot of stress and pressure put on us by social media and school. A lot of people are going through like tough times right now. For example, I have finals next week. So we should uh, take care of each other as a community and be patient with each other. One thing I'd like the church to know is that our generation's mental health issues are real and prevalent and need to be addressed. Um, just to be open-minded with each other and remember that we're all a team throughout this difficult time, not let age be another thing that provides us. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of differences sometimes, you know, like socially and culturally between like different generations. So it's a little basic, but I think, you know, op open communication and talking to each other could really like help solve a bunch of problems between <laughs> parents and children. And, yeah. One thing I love about the church is that really, it really appeals to our generation. Growing up, I was in a church where I sat in a pew for an hour listening to someone talk in a monotone voice. Whereas when I came to Menlo, there were cool lights, electric guitars, and really upbeat music. And that's one thing I love about the church. That we want our faith to be our own, that we can grow in that, and instead of it being our parents. I would say that maybe they should, you know, have some more fun, have some games beforehand or something. I want to introduce you to my friends Ab and Fee. Ab and Fee are two little birds who have made their home on our porch over the past month and a half, providing hours of entertainment for my wife and me as they built their nest, they've laid eggs, they've lost eggs, and tried to raise two little birds. If you follow me on Instagram, you're probably already sick of these birds. And if that's you, I'm sorry, but not really. The names Ab and Fee are short for Abercrombie and Finch. And it's not because we love the clothing store, but instead, we first thought these birds were finches. And if you don't name your birds with a pun, did you really name them? Of course, the joke was on us, because they actually aren't finches. They are these birds called dark-eyed juncos, which are types of sparrows. And as soon as we realized this mistake, we kind of asked the question, what else do we need to learn about these birds so that we could actually help them thrive? So we learned this, we learned that when nesting or pregnant, these birds love to eat insects or mealworms. So we bought some mealworms to throw in with the bird seed. We learned the sounds that they make when they feel threatened so that we know it's time to leave the porch and go back inside. And we also learned that they're known for being terrible at protecting their eggs and helping their offspring survive. So we've increased our prayer and we've increased our nest vigilance. We are for Ab and Fee. We want nothing more than to see these parents raise their baby birds that just hatched and to see them start their own life. Today is Student Sunday. And Student Sunday is an opportunity for us to hear and learn from students as we ask the question, how can Menlo Church be a church that is for the next generation? 
How can we be a community that cheers on, that supports and walks alongside the next generation of kids and students as they grow up and they start their own lives with Jesus? And as we ask this question together, I wanna invite you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 17. The book of Acts tells the story of the first church following Jesus's death and resurrection. As the first church shared the news of Jesus's death and resurrection and invited people from all over to join them in this new Jesus way of life. Now, Paul was one of the first church leaders and Paul was called to go beyond the Jewish culture to share the news of Jesus with all cultures. And in Acts 17, Paul finds himself in the city of Athens. And Athens was a culture that was full of many gods, ones that value knowledge and learning and ideas. Luke, the author of Acts, actually gives us a glimpse as to how he feels about that culture when in verse 21, he writes this. He says, the Athenians, as well as foreigners who live in Athens, used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Have you ever heard of a culture like that? I mean, Athens kind of sounds like what would happen if YouTube and Reddit had a baby. So today, thanks to the internet and thanks to social media, this generation is more connected to the world around them and has access to unlimited knowledge at the tips of their fingertips. They are more passionate about learning. They're more passionate about having their voice heard and making a difference than any generation that I have seen. And while Athens produced minds like Socrates or Aristotle, this generation is already producing young people who are creating apps that are changing communities. They are having a platform to speak with world leaders and challenging the status quo. Also, like Athens, this generation is a generation full of many gods, like the God of achievement or acceptance or busyness. And for many, these gods have out-importanced a life with Jesus. A study by the Barna Research Group found that 54% of the Gen Z population in the United States view church involvement as unimportant. Do you hear that? 54% view church involvement as unimportant. If that stirs up something inside of you, you aren't alone. As Paul is waiting in the city in verse 16, he says that we read that Paul was deeply distressed to see a city so consumed by other gods. Paul, like many of us, had a life-changing encounter with Jesus and it pains him to see people missing that. And so Paul begins talking with anybody who will listen, eventually catching the ear of some philosophers who invite him to share at the Areopagus, which is this part of the city where thought leaders came to discuss and learn. And so here we have Paul. He's feeling deeply disturbed by what he sees and experiences. And he's given an opportunity to speak to the key influencers and open their eyes. This is Paul's moment. Now, what will he do when everything inside him wants him to know Jesus, but he's in a culture distracted by many gods? Well, let's see in verse 22. Paul says this. 
He says, people of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through the town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. What does Paul do when he encounters this situation? He starts by finding common ground. He enters their world and shares that he's learned, that he's observed, that he's paid attention to what matters to them. Instead of pointing out what is bothering him or what they're doing all wrong, Paul chooses empathy. Stanford's design school describes empathizing as being the work you do to understand people. It is your effort to understand the way they do things and why, their physical and their emotional needs, the how they think about the world and what is meaningful to them. It is the work you do to understand people. So when we look at the next generation, when we hear about 54% of Gen Z viewing church involvement as unimportant, how should we respond? Well, we should respond by letting them know you are important. We respond with empathy. We should respond by seeking to listen and understand who they are, what is meaningful to them and entering into their world. Now notice when I say this, I say we and not you or parents or the kids ministry or student ministry. I say we because for the church to be a church that is for the next generation, we have to be in this together. You see the students we see on the weekends, the students we see in our neighborhoods, in our apartment complex, those kids are our kids. And we have to step into their world. So for the next few minutes, we're gonna do just that. We've invited some students and volunteers who work with students to share about faith, life, and the church. And as they share, I wanna ask you to simply listen and learn. All right, so I am Juice from the Saratoga campus, uh, the student director, and I brought with me some friends today um, we have Cameron, Darren, and a leader, Rick. So, guys, why don't you just introduce yourselves? Yeah, my name is Cameron King. I'm a senior at Saratoga High School. I've been going to Menlo, Saratoga for, I think, four years, ever since um, I went to high school. Um, and a little bit about my faith journey. I've been born and raised a Christian. Um, kind of when I moved to Saratoga, bounced around churches and really found my home at Menlo, um, probably just because everyone there is so passionate about Christ and smiling, happy, energetic. Um, it was really a community that I found myself wanting to be uh, more in, involved in. Awesome. Darren. Hi, I'm Darren. I am, well, I'm a senior in high school, and a bit about my faith story. I was born into a atheist family, so naturally I was kind of atheist. Um, around five, I kind of I had a friend bring me to a youth group event, and I kind of, after that, bounced around a few churches, mostly stayed with Menlo down in Sunnyvale, if you know them, and kind of ended up here maybe around, like, junior year and so on. I've been here ever since. 
Great. And this is Rick Miller. I always say everybody needs a Rick. Uh, Rick is one of our faithful leaders. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to serving students. Yeah, I, uh, I'm at, of course, we're all part of Saratoga. I actually was part of Saratoga before Menlo came to Saratoga. Actually, it's part of the elder group that voted Sarah, uh, Menlo to, to join with us in, in, in Saratoga. But prior to uh, youth group, um, I was part of uh, the youth group. And my kids were going through youth group, and that was a very kind of cool time uh, watching the kids grow up. And other kids at, at this, those same danger. So I was part of it then. Uh, and I went to missions for a while. I did a lot of missions uh, with the church. And and that kind of slowed down a little bit in the transition. And Juice asked me if I wanted to be a part of student ministries. And I thought, I really want to do missions. Uh, but, you know, as, it's, as, as this is a mission field in itself, plus the, the youth does missions. They actually go to Mexicali and we've been to Oklahoma and other places. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome. Well, today we're talking about how we can be for the next generation. And so we thought it would be awesome if Darren and Cam shared a little bit about their generation. So, uh, Darren, let's start with you. What would you like people to know about your generation? I mean, personally, about my generation, uh, it's kind of been a bumpy ride for us. Kind of, it's a weird start for us. We kind of grew up in a place where, oh, participation awards for everybody. And then it kind of, we kind of became really receptive to that and we thought hey this is kind of whack so why not just not have it and do things on our own this is this is kind of a system that doesn't really that doesn't really favor us after all it's let's just say it's uh, in short it's not very good for us it's just we're we're kind of a cynical generation we've grown up with a lot of these things around us and we take some of it for granted as i i have to admit but overall we're like like i said we're a bit cynical a bit negative Kind of, kind of in the deep end. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. It's it's real. Uh, Cam, what would you like the church to know about your generation and how the church can be for your generation? Yeah, I I, I think the biggest thing um, that the church can do to be for a generation is really just reach out. Um, this is something that I was thinking about, and I've actually taken it for uh, for granted. And I think it's the best example of um, reaching out. But it's actually been Rick. Um, when I first started going to Menlo students, um, I wasn't the loudest kid. Um, I wouldn't talk too much. But Rick, he really uh, tried to get stuff out of me, you know, learn more about me, learn more not only about um, my relationship with God, but also my, my hobbies, my passions, what I do. And it made me a lot more comfortable around him, and it um, helped support me as I grew older. That's awesome. Rick, you have probably learned a ton just from being around these students. So can you share with everybody um, what you've learned or gained by serving? Yeah, I think students? it's it's important. I mean, not just for me to know, but for everybody to know that um, when you're talking to these kids, you think, well, they're just high schoolers or maybe just junior high schoolers. And what you find out is they actually have some pretty deep thoughts. They They maybe go really deep on one subject and say like one word answers to another subject but it's what's interesting to me is that they they have thought about these things and and they have opinions and that's really kind of buoyed me along knowing that I'm not just there because you know and nothing's happening and these these kids are really into what's happening and no no you know I would say just kind of 
intricacies of, of stuff that you wouldn't think they would. And that's, that's really promising. Mm. So Kim, you kind of already said this a bit about Rick, but what are times where you have felt the most supported at church? Yeah, the funny thing about that is I think the times where I've felt most most supported at church have not been at church. It's <laughs> been uh, times when Juice or Rick have uh, come to like watch my games, get to know me more as a person. And I think that's translated to how I respond to them in life groups. I think it makes me more open to sharing with them because I know they truly do care about me. Um, and it just, it, it, it brings a comfortable energy hmm. to the group. That's awesome. And Darren, kind of to wrap us up a bit, what would you say your hope for the church would be? Something I really hope for the church is to stay true to its values, most of all. Because in this day and age, we're kind of, we're kind of, being surrounded by the notion that, oh, Christians are kind of crazy. Christians are a bit zealous. So stay away from this. All that jazz. But the truth is I want, I really want the church to stay true to what, it, what it's been about. It's to be the family of God. It's to keep all of us, the children of God, under his, under his stead, under his protection. It's to, to build that relationship with him like he is a father to his children. It's something that I wish the church would really do to continue within the future and to stay within the future. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for uh, listening and um, have a great day. As you listen to the students and leaders share, what did you hear? I want to say thank you so much to the students who are willing to share with us and invite us into your world. Every time you invite us into your world, it is a gift. I also wanna give a very special shout out and thank you to every single volunteer who volunteers with both kids and student ministries and who have been stepping into the lives of the next generation, both in person and this past year online when students needed connection the most. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, if we wanna be a church that is for the next generation, we have to start by moving towards students to listen and understand their world. And you know, isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? John 1 says this, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God entered into our world to walk with us, to experience life with us, to know what our life is like. See, empathy is not just a good practice. Empathy is a Jesus practice. We must start with empathy. But what's next? And to answer that, let's go back to Paul in Athens. So Paul has started by sharing that he's walked around, that he's learned about their culture, and then he shares that he sees an altar to an unknown God. And he sees this as his opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Paul says this. He says, what you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't just live in temples made with human hands, nor is God made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something. Since he is the one who gives life 
breath and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so that they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't that far away. In God, we live, move, and exist. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. And therefore, as God's offspring, we have no need to imagine that the divine being is like a gold, silver, or stone image made by human skill and thought. God overlooks the ignorance of these things in the time past, but now directs everyone everywhere to change their hearts and their lives. This is because God has set a day when he intends to judge the world justly by a man he has appointed. God has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. In this short sermon, Paul introduces this group to a personal God who wants to know them and wants to invite them to live life with him. But there's something I wanna point out in Paul's sermon. Just as Paul starts by making a connection, he teaches them about this God by using their language and their culture, even quoting their own poets. So what's going on here? Well, remember the birds that I introduced you to at the beginning? You know, when they first started building their nest, different birds kept flying in and destroying the nest to the point that my wife and I started sitting on the porch waiting to protect those birds from the other birds as they attacked. Then we thought, hey, why don't we just buy a birdhouse? I mean, this will solve all of our problems. Finches love birdhouses. So we started looking into birdhouses to see what would go with the feel of our porch, but also let us still keep an eye on what's happening inside the nest. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we discovered that these weren't actually finches, they were dark-eyed juncos. Do you know what bird rarely uses a birdhouse? Dark-eyed juncos. See, Taylor and I, while we had the best of intentions to help these birds thrive, had we actually bought a birdhouse, we simply would have been providing them something that wouldn't help them out and would likely just frustrate us in the process because we know what you like, why don't you use it? And they wouldn't be using it. Paul was in Athens. He was in a culture with little respect or knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures that he grew up on and that the church read frequently. And Paul's goal was for them to know the never changing message of a God who wants to know them and can step into their deepest longings and hurts to bring healing and, forget, for, for, and fulfillment. Well, he knew that the gospel of Jesus never changes, his method had to change to meet the people where they are in a way and a language that they understand. You see, for Paul, the people came before his preference. 
and for the message of the gospel to connect with people in the way that they, it meets them where they are, that meets them in what they are going through, Paul knew that his method would have to change. Church, the gospel of Jesus is unchanging, but generations change. This generation is different from any generation that we have ever seen. And you know what? The last generation was different than any we had seen. The next generation is gonna be the same and your generation was probably the same. But if we do not take time to understand this generation and the next generation, to listen to the questions our kids are asking, to learn what issues are important to them, but instead we start with our preferences of what we think they should know or how we think it should be, even with the best of intentions, we risk sharing the message of the gospel or creating a church that is perfectly prepared to reach a world that no longer exists. But if we follow Paul's example in Athens, in the same way that he followed Jesus's example for us by stepping into their world, by taking time to listen and understand. We can help this generation discover that the gospel of Jesus meets them in the midst of their toughest questions, that it gives purpose to their deepest longings and that it provides hope for their world. Now let's get practical. What can we actually do as a church right now to start being a church that is for the next generation? Well, I'm gonna give us two practices and I'm gonna keep it real simple for you by making sure they both start with P. Prayer and partner. The first P is prayer. I want you to think of one young person in your world. If you're a parent or a grandparent, that might be pretty easy. That person could be your kid or your grandkid. If you're single or a young adult, it might be a little more difficult, but maybe it's a neighbor or it's a relative or a friend's kid. Maybe it's an entire family that you see at church. Whoever that person may be, start by praying for that young person every day. If it helps, write a note on your calendar or set a reminder in your phone and also pray for God to help you see that person as God sees them. You see, prayer has the power to change our hearts and our posture towards others. Now, if you're a student, you're not off the hook here either. I want you to pray for an adult that you know. And the second P is partner. Look for opportunities to partner with the next generation to support and cheer them on. One easy way to do this is by joining our Menlo Kids or Menlo Students teams. Be part of creating a space uniquely designed to help kids and students learn how the message of Jesus speaks to their world as they connect and grow. From being a life group leader to helping with organization to simply being a smiling face welcoming students as they show up, there are opportunities for people with any gift, any gift set to be part of the Menlo students and Menlo kids teams to help Menlo Church be a place that is for the next generation. But there are other ways you could partner as well. You could partner with a family to provide meals for them from time to time so that they can focus on being present to their kids 
when they'd normally be thinking about a meal. You could partner with local schools or find ways to tutor or support teachers. Now, maybe you're a parent and you're thinking, you want me to do more? Like, come on, my life is already crazy. Well, I want you to know that for you, your partnering is simply being the best parent to your kids that you can possibly be. What can you do to be more present, to spend more time listening, to make sure your student knows that you are for them, not for who you want them to be, but for who God has created them to be? Church, when we partner with the next generation or people impacting the next generation, we are taking a step towards them and creating more chances to practice empathy and to learn about their world. Two piece, prayer and partner. Two simple steps every one of us can take to move towards the next generation and begin listening, learning, and discovering how the never changing message of Jesus can bring hope, purpose, and life to this generation and to the generations to come. Let's be a church that is for the next generation because the next generation deserves to know that Jesus is for them. Let's pray. God, we um, wanna lift up the next generation to you. God, these are students who you have given passions and desires. And God, I pray that you help us see how we as a church can come alongside them to see how you are uniquely working in their world and in their lives. God, we thank you that you are a God who steps into our lives. So let us know that you are a God who is for us and wants us to live life with you. God, we give this church, we give our young people, we give all these things to you. In your name, amen.